Hey folks, I'm Pastor Eric Tritton from Gloria Day Lutheran Church in Hudson, Ohio, and this is a weekly word, and I'm in kind of a different part of the church today. Um, I'm actually in the kitchen. Tonight is our last soup supper, and I am taking care of one of the soups back here on the stove. Hopefully it doesn't boil over while we're talking. <laughs> um, there's an account in Mark chapter 2 of Jesus meeting with some people, and I want to read this to you. It says this, um, when Jesus went out again beside the sea, the whole crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. While he was reclining at table at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who were following him. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard them, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. So I read that and the question that comes to my mind is, are you the well or are you the sick? Um, high, the high anthropology in me um, wants to make a case for I, I'm well. I, I do the things. I'm, I'm a nice person. I behave appropriately and, and all of these types of things. But that's exactly what the Pharisees did in this reading. They thought that they were well. And that led them to look down on the tax collectors and sinners that had gathered around Jesus, that Jesus was more than glad to sit with and, and eat with. You see, they, they saw the, the, the tax collectors and sinners and they saw them as traitors and scum and unworthy. But Jesus saw them differently. He saw them as people. And he received them exactly where they were. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not saying that Jesus approves of sin, and I don't think that we should approve of sin either. However, we are sinners. This account from Mark chapter 2 is an immensely important corrective for us when we see ourselves as better than others. It's important for us to look at others as fellow sinners, if we're going to look at them as sinners, as brothers and sisters who are in need of the same Savior that we need. Martin Luther was fond of reminding his hearers, Christ comes for sinners. And if you follow that logic that Christ comes for sinners, did Christ come for you? And if so, are you a sinner? And that answer better be yes if, if we want Christ to have come for us. Last week, I, I talked about the good fruit that can come from holding a low anthropology. I talked about curiosity. I, I talked about humility and unity and community. There are others. Um, I didn't talk about humor. I didn't really talk about courtesy. Um, but one of the more important 
pieces of good fruit is compassion. And that compassion then gives us the opportunity to share good news, good news that Christ comes for sinners, that he's come to save us because we're sinners and out of his love. I want to read a quote to you from Zoll's book, Low Anthropology. This is a little bit longer than some of the others that I've used, but I think that this kind of sets the tone for what we're getting at here. He writes, a high anthropologist tends to distance themselves from the wrongdoer. They insist that the guilty party is a fundamentally different type of person than they are. An incel, a bigot, a small-minded, privileged rageaholic who has played far too many video games. In this way, a high anthropology sorts people into categories. The sick versus the healthy, the sane versus the crazed, the caring versus the callous, the privileged versus the oppressed, the good versus the bad. This allows us to judge and move on, case closed. A low anthropologist, however, begins from the uncomfortable position of potential solidarity with the wrongdoer. There's no greater role model here than Jesus himself. Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. He welcomed tax collectors and sinners. He welcomes you and me. And that's, that's essential when we think about who we are as human beings and essential to how we think about who we are in relationship with God. So I see two mistakes that the church has made over the years um, regarding how to view others who have sins that you know we find scandalous or are different than our own. Um, and, and frankly, uh, to be completely a, a low anthropologist here, these are mistakes that I have made myself. Uh, the first is that we perceive some sins as worse um, or more scandalous than others. Um, in this world, as we're dealing with you know people and laws, yeah, there are some sins that are worse than others, and that's true. There are sins that have deeper and greater impact on people. But in God's economy, um, all sin is rebellion, and all sin is evil, and all sin kills and damns. So sin is a big deal. Uh, from the smallest lie to the murder, um, and so we need to remember when we're dealing with, with sin and we're dealing with these things that we see as worse than others and, and trying to judge, you know, where people are at, um, Christ came for sinners. And so in, in one sense, that means that you should be one if you want Christ to have come for you, um, and I'm not saying go out and do some kind of sin. What I'm saying is own who you are and recognize who you are in relationship to others. Because if you are a sinner, then you are a beggar who has received God's goodness and kindness. And you know how to point others to that very thing that they need. You know, so when we see sins as greater or less, they all need to come together as something that is forgiven in Christ, as something that um, some those people, as someone who need Jesus 
for their forgiveness in life the same way that you do. The second mistake that I've seen the church make over the years is that they kind of just treat sin as though it doesn't matter. You know, sometimes we act like we've evolved beyond or advanced beyond um, certain stigmas and, and, and the like that are connected to sin. Um, and then we treat sin as though it's not sin, that somehow uh, what God has called sin has now become permissible because we're more modern or, or some such thing. You know, so we don't really need to look to the scriptural guidance for our lives. We just, you know, follow our hearts, which the scriptures tell us are deceitful above all things, by the way. Um, it's partly true that sin does not matter. Uh, it's partly true in the sense that Christ died to pay for sins. Your sins are forgiven. They are no longer held against you. But that doesn't mean that we should live in them. It's still false to say that it's okay to sin because sin damages us. It hurts our relationship with God. It hurts our relationship with others. Um, and so we shouldn't fall off that side of the ladder either. Instead, what we really want to do is we want to deal with one another's sins compassionately. Now, I want to pause on that word compassion for a moment here. Because it's a beautiful word in, in the New Testament. Uh, the word that's used there, uh, it literally means that a person's guts get twisted. When Jesus, uh, when Jesus has compassion, it says that his, his guts or his bowels were twisted. Uh, which is a, a, just a gloriously gross picture of what happens to us internally when we come into a, a position where we see somebody who, who's hurting. Because on the one hand, when we have compassion on somebody because of our sin, because of their sin, um, there is a sense of disgust at sin. And I think that there should be. That makes sense. But at the same time, we care about that person. We care about the harm that's being done for them. And we know the remedy that they need. We know that sin kills. We have a word that gives eternal life. And so we have the opportunity to, to give forgiveness and life to people by sharing the love of Jesus with them, by telling them about a God who loves them so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for them. And not just to die, but to rise for them. A, a, a God who comes in a way that he welcomes sinners and even tax collectors. So ultimately, you know, low anthropology, when I think about it, it encourages us to have faith. It encourages us to have faith that I can be redeemed. That with all of my limitations, all of my doubleness, all of my self-centeredness, all of my, my sin, that Jesus has come to save me and you, and those other people in our lives who might not even know that yet. And if he can save someone like me, and he can save someone like you, can he save someone like them? And maybe having a low anthropology and holding on to this grace that God has given to us Maybe that leads us to look at others through a lens of grace to share good news with them. That Christ comes for 
sinners. Hey, if this was helpful for you, you know, please like it, share it. Um, I've enjoyed going through low anthropology. I hope that this has been something that's been helpful to you. Um, we're going to be moving on to talking about Psalm 23 in our, our next episode. Um, I'm excited about this one. I think it's going to be interesting. I'm going to call it a funeral psalm to live by. Until then, God's blessings. Mm -hmm.